0: So I've titled it uh, On Mission with the Great Commission. And as I was going through this, so usually I'm speaking to cadets, students. And I'm making a lot of assumptions um, when I'm speaking to them. Uh, And and I'm thinking of my ministry when I was at the Citadel, and we'd always talk about the Great Commission, go, and what that means for them. but I've made a lot of assumptions that most of them were Christians and they got it. And I didn't really do a whole whole lot of digging deep into it so i got to do that when doing this and a lot of really cool things came to light that's kind of how god works when you're reading his word um he illuminates the scripture so there's so much in this great commission in this statement what's going on in this passage with the disciples with jesus in everything we're only going to be able to talk a teeny bit about what's really uh, some of the things that are going on so there's lots of meat we're going to try to pull out just like the brisket out of it uh, and enjoy that part. But please, if you get a chance, go dig deeper into it. And we're gonna talk about what kind of that this mission means for us to be on mission with the Great Commission. Okay, we are on the slide with the, the quote with the man, a little further. The uh, Gosh, I can't see. Yeah, that guy. Abraham Kuyper. Dutch theologian statement. I'm not going to be able to see my slides. Um, he says, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. So, when Ethan and Elijah, I think you know where the story is going, uh, Ethan and Elijah were probably four toddlers, uh, we went over to some friend's house for the first time. Uh, they have a daughter, and they have this playroom, and it was like Toys R Us, if you know what Toys R Us is or was. Uh, it was stacked with toys. It was just a playroom. So the twins, Ethan and Elijah, went in there to play with their daughter, and every time, I kid you not, every time they touched a toy, she yelled, mine, mine, so we could hear it coming out the back. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, please, Uh, because our kids didn't know that word yet. So we left their house, and our kids learned a new word, mine, and uh, our lives were never the same from that point. And I just, if I had the the wits about me, and, and I understood more, maybe, no, dear child, it's all Jesus's, it all belongs to him. So I'm going to read again the Great Commission uh, and notice a few things. All right. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to Observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always till the end of the age. Okay, so we've got four things we can look at this. All authority, we read that at the very beginning. All authority, all nations, all things, all the days, always. And We can see that all dominates this passage, and hopefully, after we unpack things a little bit, uh, we can see how amazing Jesus is in this Great Commission, his call is, and we get to be a part of it. So we're going to talk about all authority first. That's where we're at. There we go. Uh, Jesus begins with this all authority, and uh, the original language here, when you th- speak thinking about authority, you're thinking about um, the original language, we just talking about ruling authority. Uh, power. And we'll see how everything else in this passage is going to flow from this all authority that Jesus has been given. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth give given to me. So Jesus' authority is now, it's basically what he's com- he's communicating is that his authority has been expanded to all heaven and all of earth, which is what? All of creation, universal Jesus has been given universal authority. And there's no place, what is communicating, there's no place on creation in this universe, in the created realm, anything that you see or you don't see, that my rule does not touch. So Jesus is saying, I have authority. And what's interesting about this a little bit, this was this was really cool to me as, as I was studying and looking at this, Uh, It's interesting that earlier in Matthew, because we're in the book of Matthew, when Satan is tempting Jesus, do you remember? Satan's tempting Jesus. And what does he offer him? All the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. But now, by the way of his suffering obedience, he's received incomparably more than Satan could ever offer him. He's received all authority in heaven, all authority on earth from his Father. So when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, in verse 18, he's saying, this is one who's just even exerted exerted his authority even over death itself. And truly, there can't be anything, there is nothing under his rule. And I think they're seeing this. Okay, so, and it's not that Jesus' authority was less before his crucifixion. So we have a quote, another quote up here. I'm going to have to look because I can't read it on there. It is not Jesus' authority, per se, that becomes more absolute. Rather, the spheres in which he now exercises absolute authority are enlarged, in includes all heaven and all earth. It's D.A. Carson. Um, so if you if you look uh, at the Great Commission in verse 17, uh, it says they worship, but some doubted. Now, whenever I've read that, always, every time I've ever read it, I'm thinking, well, it's, it's eleven disciples are there, and they worship, but some doubted. Uh, and there's there's evidence uh, from past his uh, appearing post-resurrection, where some people were they didn't recognize him or or whatnot. But there's actually evidence to know that there are others there. So it could be that there are others there with Jesus, some of, that, some of that 500 possibly were there, and they were doubting. And regardless, some people, whether it was disciples or not, or others, they were hesitant about what they were witnessing before them. But Jesus is assuring them. He's assuring the disciples, if there's the other crowd there, if there's more people there, he's assuring them. Guys, I just defeated death. I've been given all authority, ultimate authority, by the Father. And because of that authority, I want you to go in confidence that I am in sovereign control of everything on heaven and on earth. So it's going to be okay. I think in our own lives, that's a really good reminder to know that God is has ultimate authority, and it's going to be Okay but it's going to be okay, and he's like, now let's get to the real work, because moving forward, the mission rests on this authority. Everything is going to flow from that. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All nations. Jesus took this mission global. It just went from, I guess you could say local, to one people, to one nation, to global. If you look back, I have a slide on Matthew 10.6, I believe, 10.5. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So Jesus takes this all authority that he has just been given in heaven and on earth, and he's he's mirroring that into his ministry, going from, okay, guys, we're not just going to the house of Israel anymore. We're taking this mission global. We're reaching all nations because everything is under my rule. So where, all, all nations. So the, to all nations, local. Re, so what? I, local restrictions have been lifted. That's what I was talking a little bit about. And the, this is the good news about Jesus expanding this. That's why you and I are here. That's why you have heard the gospel. As far as I know, none of us have been part of the House of Israel uh, before, or was. But the good news is that you're here. That's why you're here. That's the reason Mercy Hill exists. It's because Jesus said, I'm going, taking this mission everywhere. And that's really good news. So why? Because it all belongs to Jesus. He said, it's mine, everything. And he didn't say it like a four-year-old, but he said it as one who's the creator has who has all rights to say mine. It all belongs to me. All right, we're on um, James. There's a, there's a slide, James chapter one. Because what is oh actually, I think I've something is messed up, but that's okay. Where are we at? Be a hearer and a doer of the word. So what is a disciple from that verse? He says, go, make disciples. James 1 says, but be hearers and doers of the word. Or be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So what is a disciple? In the essence of what a disciple is, it's be a hearer and a doer of the word. So that's what he wants them to go make. To go make people hear his word, or to go have people hear his word, and do His word, but first, before anybody is able to be a disciple, before anybody is able to be a hearer and a doer of the word, they have to hear the gospel. So, what's that mean? We have, we must share it. We could, we have this big E word in the church called evangelism, and it sounds to a lot of people it sounds really scary. It doesn't have to be, and we'll talk about why. But we must share the gospel. And then once they receive the gospel, we help them learn to be here and adore the word. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded to you. So it's this next all things. And up until this moment in Jesus' ministry, he's been the sole teacher. So if if you're reading the scripture and you're kind of understanding what's going on, he's been the teacher. And in Jewish tradition, rabbis are the ones that that teach and make disciples, not, not everybody else. This is the sole job of rabbis. So in this ministry, in Jesus' ministry, he's been the sole one. But now, again, let's go back to that all authority. He's saying, I have all authority, so I'm going to say, I'm taking what I have in my authority and I'm commanding you to make disciples. I want you to take on the role to go teach people all things. Now, there's a misconception, uh, either, either something you believe inherently or you just a lot of us can act like that i'm not saying that's true about our church but but i think it's true of a lot of christians it certainly is true of me at times Uh, but we think that's the job of the pastor that's the job of the missionary that's the the professional christians but it's not the sole job of the missionaries or the pastor or elders to teach and make disciples because Jesus says, if you're my disciple, I'm telling you to go make disciples. There's a quote. The next one. Keep going. There we go. Christina Borsma, National Director for Loving Muslims Together. The Great Commission was given by Jesus to all and every Christian, not only to pastors and missionaries. It's, it's for you, too. It's for you and me, And Pastor John, and our elders, and my wife, and my kids, everyone that professes the name of Christ. Okay, all things teach all things. Jesus doesn't want us to go make disciples and teach them abstract, you know, pointless ideas, but he's commanded everything that he has taught specific concrete principles that he wants us to be hearers and doers of i don't have the time to get into it but most certainly when jesus says this he's speaking of the sermon on the mount and it is if you read through it it is actually so good uh because it's matthew 5 chapter 5 through 7 and if you want to know what what how to live if if you want a manual on how to live the the sermon on the mount and i and we'll 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 get more into the how we do that, I guess. But it's the Sermon on the Mount, and there's actually a really good. It's it's written kind of like a devotional. It's by a guy named Sky Jathani, uh, called "What If Jesus Was Serious." And basically, he takes the principles, some of the harder stuff through the Sermon on the Mount, and kind of in a devotional style, because each thing is only one or two pages. And, he, and if you're very visual, he's got illustrations. So. Uh, It's really helpful, very cartoony looking. Uh, But they really help for today, help us connect uh, the Sermon on the Mount to today in 2023. But most certainly he's speaking of the Great Commission, or the Sermon on the Mount. But here's, I I do have a few verses up here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit no one should seek their own good but the good of others abide in me let your light so shine before man that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven lots of commands throughout scripture lots of commands and the list can go on there's a lot there but he's saying these these are the things that we should be living out this is what his disciples should be living out the people of god should be living out and this is what he wants us to teach as we imperfectly live out Jesus's commands, and we imperfectly live out the great command, the Great Commission, and the Sermon on the Mount, and all the things, Jesus continues. He was given. He was given all authority. This is Daniel seven four. So this is what the Great Commission is. Uh, based off this is what Jesus is is pointing back to in Daniel he is he was given all authority or he was given authority glory and sovereign power all nations and peoples of every language worshiped him his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed so the, this is another this is me pointing back to or Jesus rather pointing back to This is my authority. It's over all nations. It's over me, or it's over you. It's over everyone, the Gentiles, the Jews, everyone. Um, Where we at go, therefore, uh, make disciples of all nations. Again, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So so let's talk about this go part, because that's really the part that we like to talk about. Jesus is mobilizing his church. And the whole verse is about the whole world, right? Go therefore make disciples of all nations. It's a universal scope. There's no one that doesn't fall under this all nations. But what's interesting is this, uh, this go in and of itself is not necessarily about overseas missions. Because that go, and you may have heard this before, that go is really implying as you go, or as you go on your way, or when you go, basically wherever you are. So that, so that because that's the meaning of that word go, that doesn't mean that this, this whole verse has lost its universal appeal, or its universal call, because overseas missions obviously are very crucial. But at minimum, the Christian mission is always where you are. And I'm gonna unpack that more in a bit, but the Christian mission is always where you are. And in addition, if you can, go international. If you can't go international, for whatever reason, support those who do. But also, the international community is also in your own backyard. In in a very strange place, in the middle of the desert in Texas, is a university, and this past year, if my numbers were correct from the website from Texas A&M, this past year there were 125 nations represented at Texas A&M. We lived in London, 150 nations are represented in London. Grant, that's nine million people, lots and lots of international students, uh, people, folks. But at Texas A&M alone, there are 125 nations represented so we can't say if we if if we we hold on. We need to as we go. We need to go make disciples. We need to share the gospel. But if you have if you can't for whatever reason go internationally, it's right here in our backyard. So what are we going to do? I alluded to it. We come to the imperative, uh, the command. Jana had to teach me what the word imperative was because she's an English teacher. And I have a South Carolina education. Um, But the command, the imperative, go make disciples. Make disciples. That's the imperative. And there are whole books written on this. And we can probably, I could actually just do uh, a message on disciple, what making disciples is and what discipleship is. And it it could probably go all day. Uh, But we don't have all day. Uh, But that's what Jesus has commanded us here to do, to make disciples. And this is the great thing, because making disciples is hard. He says in the next in the next one slide, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we don't go alone. This is this is huge. All the days so we're gonna, all the days he is with us always. So this is, another, this is another one of those little tidbits that you learn early on in Matthew's gospel. Matthew 123, the baby Jesus is presented to us under the name what? So we got it. What is, what is Jesus called? Baby Jesus. Emmanuel. Yeah. Which means what? God with us. Baby Jesus is presented. God with us. And now, fast forward to the end of Matthew, the very last verse, the risen Jesus confirms his promise, I am with you always. It's kind of like Matthew putting a nice little bow uh, on his letter, but I am with you always. And it's necessary for Jesus, who's been given all authority in heaven and on earth, who calls us into his mission, commands us to make disciples to our neighbors, to the entire world. It's necessary for him to promise that he's going to be with us every step of the way. Because what he has asked us to do in making disciples and sharing his gospel to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families, is next to impossible to do on our own. If it's not, it is impossible to do on our own. It's his work, not ours. We are to be faithful. We are to be obedient. And if he's not with us, it's not his work. So, He is with us. Okay, so this is I wanted I wanted to to interject here. This is what you have to know. Because I'm talking a lot about go make disciples, go share the gospel. What if you don't know the gospel? You you and I and everyone, every human being, we cannot understand his power and authority if we don't understand who he is. We have to understand that he loves us. He lived a perfect life for us. He lived and died and resurrected, came back to life for you so that we could live a joy-filled life on this earth. Now, I said joy. I didn't say happy, right? Because to be a Christian is to suffer. We live on this earth, and there was something called the fall. And it's jacked things up for us pretty good. But we don't have to do that alone because of Jesus. But we can have joy through the suffering, through the horrible things that can happen to us, through the everything that is wrong in the world with us. We have hope because Jesus is our hope. So that when we come to the end of this life and Jesus calls us home, we get to be with him for eternity. We have to understand that to understand his power, to understand his authority, to understand what he is calling us to do. The alternative to that is hopeless existence in this life and separation from him forever. So we must choose him now. So if you don't know him, my, my challenge, my encouragement to you, and you don't have to know everything there is to know about Jesus, to believe in him, choose him today. So let's continue. Well, well I want to do Isaiah, Isaiah, as the British would say, this is the correct pronunciation. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. a quote from Rico Tice in his book Honest Evangelism. Um, Can you see what the one with all authority was doing for you? Can you see how he loved you? He was dying for you. And the only response to the one with all power being crushed in our place is to echo the chorus of the hymn we sing each Christmas, Oh Come Let Us Adore Him. So, part of the sweetness of his sacrifice, earlier earlier in verse eighteen in Matthew, which we didn't read, but verse eighteen, Go and put it up. He came to them. Jesus Jesus promises us he will be with us all the days of our life and be with him forever. And after he raised from the dead, after his resurrection, He came to them, his disciples. It holds in his hands, it holds in his feet. He came to them. He's not abandoning his people, and he will not abandon you. Because it's impossible to do the mission, what he's calling us to do, first to be a Christian at all, but also to be, be a part of the mission he is calling us to. We can't do it in our own strength. The great thing is that he doesn't want us to. He doesn't want you to do it alone. And he promises he'll be with us every step of the way. So we went over all authority, all nations, all things, all the days. Jesus has been given all authority. Everything's flowing from that. He's brought all nations to his mission to be his disciples, to become disciples, to teach everything he has commanded and that he's going to be with us all the days, always. So, let's try to get a little practical here. What does it mean to be on mission? What does it mean uh, to figure out where does this great commission that Jesus, this mission Jesus is calling us to, where does that meet us in 2023? So, Ed Stetzer, I have a quote from Ed Stetzer. Uh, you might have to click it one more time. It's trying to be fancy. Uh, being missional means actually doing mission right where you are. Missional means adopting the posture of a missionary, learning and adapting to the culture around you while remaining biblically sound. Ed Stetzer was the former, I believe he was a former Southern Baptist Convention. Was, is that right? Yeah. And he's written many books, and he's a pretty smart guy, but he loves Jesus, and I think he's right. So what does it mean to be on mission? Next slide. Three things I think we can draw from this. First, matter of identity. It's a matter of your identity. Do you see yourself as one that God has sent with the gospel right where you are? Do you see yourself as a missionary? Definition of missionary is just one who is sent. It doesn't mean one who is sent just overseas. Or one who is just sent to a particular group of people. A missionary is just one who is sent. And that, if you're a Christian, you profess the name of Jesus, that is every single one of you, and myself included, every one of us. Do you see your neighborhood as your mission field? The city is your mission field. The stores that you frequent, is your mission field. And if you're frequenting Amazon, is your UPS driver your mission field? Is the homeless your mission field? The people you interact with every day, are they a part of your mission field? It's as you go. So when we lived in London, that from from one of our previous churches, our pastor just did a really great job In honing this into us that all of life is ministry not just sunday morning and i know we're missionaries so we we actually get paid we're not quote but but we get paid to do to do it but it's all of life it doesn't it's not a nine-to-five job to be a missionary it's a lifestyle it's who you are it's a matter of identity so we lived in london we we adopted this so everywhere we went we knew we were on mission for Jesus and it wasn't pr- it wasn't that we were making people projects but we ge- ge- Christ genuinely gave us a love for other people so one of the places we frequented was Canada Water Cafe we ended up by the time we left London and the 2 years that we were there we knew almost every single one of the servers there grant it was hard to miss us because there were seven people walking in so they s- instantly knew, they probably knew Saul's coming from afar and just, you know, sounded the alarm. But we knew everyone. And, and two weeks ago when we were in London, or a week and a half ago, we ate there three times in one week, and there's really only one person still there that we, we know. Her name is Karen. She's not a Christian. She's an amazing woman. She's an am- amazing server and I think she's a manager now uh, at Cannerwater Cafe, small Italian cafe. She's French and she's awesome. She brings our kids cups of marshmallows when they were little. And the last time we ate there before we left, she brought them a cup of marshmallows. Um, but, but why we lived there and, you know, how, what is it, seven years later? We're going back to visit, we're still making connections because we love people. She, she knows we're Christians. She's seen us pray. We've talked to, about God in front of her, around her, uh, many of the other servers that used to be there as well. I would take cadets there because, uh, not cadets, students, because there were no cadets in London. But I would take students there to eat, Chris, usually Christian students, uh, and we were doing some discipleship uh in the cafe because i wanted them to know another christian so now they have two touch points of a christ follower in their midst so it's like go where you're sent where are you going now i know that's harder in texas or it feels harder in texas our culture is a problem for that everyone's so spread out busy we find where the walmart culture you know, all we need all we need is Walmart, right? So it's like everything is so accessible, we don't need anybody else, but but getting out of the, the mindset that people are valuable and God is calling us to love people around us and to go where we are. We've got to do it. Now I know there are no good places to eat in college station, except for Marcel's brisket. I know he's not here and he hasn't opened his food truck yet, but but like go where you're frequenting these people. Um, I think uh, I think Miss Kim has a job where she's interacting with, with people all the time she's with people all the time and it's like the challenge for, for her is is when I'm with these people do we just keep it servicey, talking about the weather or do we talk about our life our stories do we talk about the gospel um but we got to see these people these places that, that people are that people are to serve them love them build relationships we have to find uh, opportunities to talk about your story and how Jesus has changed your life we don't force it but it's intentional conversations two being a learner reading your bible continuing to grow in the gospel and learning how to engage the culture around you figuring out adapting uh, to people how in your culture in college station how do they receive the gospel i think what we have found in crew is people like to share their story so when you're when with you're with people that you you see a lot or you're with friends non-christian friends even christian friends but non-christian friends that's put your story no, they, because, because really, when, when they share your story and you're listening, they see you ca- you care about me. And they might ask you to return. Hey, what's your story? And if you're a Christian, your story includes the gospel. So you have an in right there to share the gospel, to share how God, how you were and how you are now. Be- why? Because God has changed me. Jesus, I met this Jesus, and he gave me hope in a hopeless world. So share your story with people. Ask them their stories first. If you start off with the gospel with people, people feel like projects. That's what we have found. I think it was probably eight or ten years ago, we had, we, we were told, if you see people as projects, they will sniff it out right away. Speaking, this was speaking of students, but that's true of all culture, uh, or all of our, our culture now. Age doesn't matter. But they will sniff you out if you if they feel like you're just a checkbox, or if you use the word a little crown, a little jewel in my crown, or whatever. You know, you're you're you've made them a project. You don't care about them. That's how they feel. So start off. Say, what's your story? How are you? What's going on in your life? Get to know them. And as they get to know you, share the gospel. Number three being faithful, being uncompromisingly faithful to every word of the Bible. It's really hard in our culture. We have even a lot of churches nowadays parting from the gospel, but being faithful to the gospel and being faithful to Jesus. Taking these three things is gonna help you as you go on mission. To make disciples. Okay, so I don't know if you knew this. This is this is really interesting. I was going through a document that that uh, um, John gave me a couple months ago. The strategy for Mercy Hill Church it says our goal at Mercy Hill Church is the formation of every member into a missionary. Every Christian is a missionary, and every place is the mission field, including our community. That's really awesome that that is part of our church mission, our strategy. Because it's a great commission. It's what Jesus is calling us in the great commission. It's what he's saying about you. So the goal of our church is to see you. We're not pew warmers or hotel chair warmers. We're missionaries. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So church... My prayer is that you'll find and understand your place in Jesus' great commission. And as you go, make disciples everywhere. Thank you.